0: So, dude, what's going on, man? This is huge. I cannot thank you enough for doing this. No my So you're in Czech Republic. How did you end up down there?
1: I came here because, um, well, years ago, I was living in Australia, mm-hmm. and then I moved to Austria, and I was doing uh, racing in Austria. So my desire was to come to Europe and do some bike races. I just joined a club in Austria, and I started doing races there. And Austria borders Czech Republic, and we had a lot of... Um, Czech riders in our team, sports directors, staff members from Czech also. And I just slowly moved across the border somehow. And then, yeah, stayed here since. But I was, so I was living in um, in Czech. So, so, first in Austria for four years, and then I moved to Czech Republic, still racing in Austria. And then I joined um, T Mobile, and um, they said I could stay in Czech Republic. And then as the years went on, I just was here longer and longer. And then I just had no real reason to move to a different place and as an Australian well as a non-European you sort of get um you get grounded pretty quick in one location I think in in Europe I'm on (laughs) the um I'm on the other side of Prague so I'm on the border of um Poland Slovakia okay uh and we have like the Beskidi Mountains here so there's uh yes it's very hilly it's great for training uh, we have good winters also, so like we still have snow. Actually, it's a long winter now. So, and I and I like the the four seasons because it breaks up the the cycling. You can do some cross training. You can keep your head fresh. And when the season starts, you know you just you just meant you you want to race. Where I've where in the past where I I, I fell into the trap of always going back to Australia. And the problem with this is you finish the season, you're back on the road, you're just doing miles, 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 you train for like two or three months, the season starts, and you've almost had enough of the bike um where this way with the winter sports you know like you, you put the bike aside you do something totally different and even though you want to ride sometimes i still keep it to the side so when i do go to training camp what i notice um especially with like what well, i said oh i'd go to training camp just wanting to ride my bike as much as possible with the other guys there they you know they've just like they've sort of come to training camp they're not motivated because they've been training at home so much and for me the you know the different seasons is really helpful in my training Dude, I was blown away when I read that you would, like,
0: cross-train between Tour Down Under and Perry Nice. And it, I, I forget where I read this, but you were just like, yeah, I'm going to go for this, like, long hike and get, like, mentally fresh and come back and crush it. And I was like, this dude's awesome. Like, everyone's so just, like, especially more nowadays with all the stuff, Others there's like, power, 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 power. And I have to, you know, I grew up in uh, upstate New York near Canada where your time was limited. You had like when the winter came, I'd go in and like ride the trainer a little bit, but there was no Zwift or anything. So like an hour was long enough. And now I'm more down in the Southeast of the U S and I can ride more. And I'm actually having to tell myself to like shelve the bike a little bit. Cause I noticed even this past winter, I was down in Florida a lot where it's 70 degrees. And so you can just ride, 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 ride. And I lift, but it's just not the same of putting it away. And even if it's for a couple of weeks, but That's so. How do you do? You like? I mean, we're we're diving in, but like, you have so much experience. When did you get the sense of like really understanding your body? Because I think it's hard for us amateurs. I've been training seriously, I guess I could say, for ten years. So I know myself pretty well now. But for when I look back, like, how do you? How did you see yourself going through that process? And like, you became a pro very quickly. So you were probably working with like a lot of top people that. Maybe help ment you in that shift, or, or like you know, what I mean, it's just it's really like there's so much data now. That I think people get caught up in it, and you don't seem you don't strike me as that type of person. Like, you know, Adam Hansen and what Adam needs. How do you like how do you go about that? Like, with your training,
1: well, yeah, it's just really uh, troll and error actually. So, yeah, it's funny story had originally happened when I joined. So I used to do cross-training. I just, I just liked it, but I didn't do it so intensively during the season. Okay. And um, when I joined T-Mobile, there was a problem with um, them sending me wheels and it wasn't compatible with my bike and I didn't have some wheels. So, and so I was back in check. I, no, I had no bike wheels, so I couldn't ride a bike. And, um, and for me, it was sort of like, okay, I'm not going to go and buy a pair of wheels just for two weeks of training. Yeah. And the team it was it was a funny story, but the team didn't want to send wheels it was it was yeah and this was a t-mobile right, so I was like okay i 'm not going to ride my bike i 'm going to do cross training so I just did hiking, I did Nordic skiing, i just did like did did not touch the bike at all and I went to this race in um what was a a race in the Netherlands, and Tony Martin was first, and I was second, um and that was without touching the bike two weeks during cross training and when when I spoke to the, like, all the, everyone's laughing because they're like, oh, we're not going to ride our bikes now. We're just going to do hiking because there's better training, things <laughs> like that. It's a bit of a joke. And the thing is, I would have won the race because I was stronger than Tony Martin, but I had a flat tire because we're both in a breakaway. I had a flat tire. I think it was like 6K to go. And so we made a deal. Okay, you wait for me. I give you the win because I had a flat tire. And then, mm. yeah, and that was it. Where I was the older rider, and I was and I was doing all the work in breakaway, so I was meant to get the wind, But the flat tire changed that, so everyone was oh like, "Oh, I was doing cross training and things like this." <laughs> and then, um, so in my head, it was like, "Well, if you think about it, you know, from a cardiovascular point of view, you're training the heart, you're training the blood, you know, and this is this is really important. This is actually this is what endurance training is. When you're doing a long ride, at let's say, like for me, if I was to do a two twenty to two forty watt constant." um ride for five hours it's not such a big strain on the muscles it's more you know you're more training your fat metabolism you're training different energy systems and you can do the exact same thing on different forms of training but i think people struggle mentally with this we are like oh i haven't touched my bike and they freak out as soon as you have a bad moment in the race you're talking to your head and you're like oh you know mm-hmm. it's because of this 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 and you sort of deviate down that path as you know i'm doing the wrong thing so for me when i had it mentally like you know i've done it before it's proven and we did have this one I used to call super coach, Sebastian Weber, in our team. And when the other coaches or sports directors found out I wasn't doing a lot of bike training, they would go to the coach and go, hey, Anson's not doing proper bike training. He's doing all this cross training. And Sebastian Weber was like, yeah, it's actually good training because Sebastian was also a hiker himself. And he knows you can go uphill at you know, 170 heart rate for 30, 40 minutes, which is pretty hard to do on a bike um you know you really have to stress your body to do that because when you're hiking you use the sticks and you're snow walking you're using more muscles you have more blood flow you have higher heart rate um so you can get very good training with it yeah so basically from that i just carried it through and you know because i'm in check i would do like down under i'd come to check i would just not touch i would not ride outside i'd go to uae i did the uae tour without riding outside and my first bike ride outside of the year was there, and then I'd come back to check, and then I would just do all cross training. I'd go to Paris Nice, and that'd be the first of my ride outside also. And then from then, I would train outside after. <laughs> so, so for
0: everybody that's going to watch, this Adam Hansen is even more of a savage than we already thought. He's super badass dude! It's crazy. These like rowers and Nordic skiers, they come into cycling and they get on the bike, and there's like, <laughs> it's like, oh damn, yeah. I should have been doing that for a long time. When you talk about cross-training, you weren't doing it during the season. Did that always – what's – you know, a lot of coaches don't want to talk about weightlifting because it is hard to, like – sometimes you feel good when you're lifting or doing cross-training and trying to get ready for the season. But then that kind of shifts as you're doing maybe more intervals or more race-specific prep. What's your thought on cross-training now that you're into triathlon all year long or are you still more doing it just pre – You like your race
1: period, or how does that break down? Is there any rhyme or reason to that? I really believe that, you know, you got to do it 100% or nothing. So, like, let's say you do no cross training, you get in the middle of the season, you decide to do, like, a hike. Um, A hike's very good because you use the same muscles cycling when you're going uphill. So, you can do that. But when you go downhill, you have the impact of the muscles, and this is something Mm. totally different. And this is a killer for cyclists. And you'll, you'll tear the muscle fibres in a different direction and you'll actually not be able to walk just by going downhill, no effort, just because of the impact, you won't be able to walk for two or three days properly. Um, but if you do it constantly, then it's okay to do some type of cross training. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't do like one off cross training um, with gym work. Um, I'm a huge believer in gym. I, I I'm not a fan of the gym. So I like during the off season I do quite a lot. I used to go to the gym before the COVID. Um but then um, I I, did, I believe if you're gonna do gym work or um, free weights, you should always do it. Don't don't start during the season because yeah, you you'll definitely um put the muscles in a territory they're not used to and then you yeah, it's it's it'll cost you more than it'll gain. If you if you want to do it always, do it always. But if not yeah, I would stay away from
0: it. Do you do like heavy lifting? Or are you more like 85% heavy lift and like more reps? Or are you like a five by three, like heavy maxing out type thing
1: or a combo of both? Yeah, for me, it's more a little bit lower, but more okay. explosive. Oh, okay. really, really
0: explosive. And that's um, all you're, whenever you're lifting, you're doing like explosive.
1: Yeah, well, I do like, I treat um, weights. I actually treat everything in a form of in a form of like training. So you do your long rides. So if I do a long ride, then, you know, it's like a high reps, low weight. And then you do have some days where you just want to go, um, you know, the shorter reps, like you said, a higher percentage of your max. But I don't like to do this so often where I'd much rather do sessions where longer reps, uh, much lower weight, and then really explosive, um, okay. like really explosive. Because okay. I do feel if you do too much weight training, you do – you lose the speed of the muscle and and then cycling. We definitely need this.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I was talking to a guy, I don't know if you know the name Ashton Lambie. He's a track guy from the U S and he's big in the lifting. I got his name uh, from a guy I used to race road with long story short, I guess there's a term potentiation that it's like recruiting more muscle mass and almost like warming up with like rack rack pulls. I think it's called, but I started trying i never thought i could deadlift and then go do like a three minute banger and i was finding that on these short like it's not all neuromuscular but more anaerobic efforts i could lift and then ride after and i would get on the bike and i felt like i didn't even have to warm up i'm like this is weird my issue with it is i'm more of a diesel i do some like longer interval stuff now that i'm getting more closer to race season and covid's kind of breaking here and well sort of um longer intervals I'm finding myself failing more in like the third set and so I, I've been trying to shift maybe lifting to endurance days but then I'm like damn I'm making endurance days too hard and it's just kind of like this ju- I mean all training is a juggling act but I'm always just curious what athletes that are into it how they apply it and um, it it just everyone kind of finds their own routine and I think at the end of the day it goes back to the first comment like you got to learn yourself and experiment and see what works and when you look back at, when you think of Adam Hansen in cycling, like what do you what do you think of? Because now, and I don't know if you you're still a cyclist, but I got a chuckle. You were talking about triathlon this and summer. And you're like, oh, cycling's like my least favorite leg of the sport now, and you're building the pool and your family room and doing all these other like. You, it seemed like you're very tri-focused, but when you look back as a cyclist, like what? What? how do you see yourself as like what you left like dude i'm i can't believe i'm talking to adam hansen like you probably get that a lot like holy crap dude like do you real? like what have you left behind i mean i'm just curious how you see yourself
1: um i think a always tough be question as- <laughs> i do think i'll always be known as the guy that did the 20 grand tours in the world mm-hmm. um i'll never i'll never lose that one i think um i didn't realize how special that was when um you know at the start of the bike races you go up and you sign on the podium and the um the commentator would, would speak about the riders and this guy won this race and this guy won this race and this guy won this race and every time i'd go up people were like oh and adam did, you know this is 19th in the row. He's on Giro, tour welter and for seven years and he was so much more passionate about it. the fans are so much more interested and i and i realized it really differentiated me from the different other cyclists um and it was something you know like this is this is going to sound cheesy, but someone wins Milan San Remo every year, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And yeah, and then I'm not, not not, not saying what I did is better than winning Milan San Remo. It's just that it's because it's so different, you know. It's mm-hmm. like oh, that's you know, it's it's actually an interesting thing. And I think because yeah, just because it's so different and unique and something totally out there, uh, I'm I'm happy I've done this um, in in that way. I know I know I, I lost a, I, well, I sort of gave up on you know. Other ambitions in that, going in that direction. But it's nice that I had something that's you know no one's ever done, something really unique, and yeah, I'm proud of it. And I'm more proud of it than my stage wins in the Juro and the and the Belter and um and the types of teams I've been riding in. So I'm I'm, I'm very happy that I've done something unique and different.
0: That's awesome. Because I mean, it's just like, you know, we click on the tour and it's like, all right, is Adam, you know, Adam, is he going to be in a break? What's this guy doing today? Adam takes off like you get the two wins. You're back at the next tour. You're back at the next tour. It's just like, oh, dude, this guy's a freaking machine. What did it at some point become like, all right, I just got to see how many of these I can rack up. And was there any point we were like, dude, I am getting roasted from this because people talk about doing two in a row. (laughs) it's <laughs> like who is this guy like when did that when did the ball really get rolling because i think the, your first one was early on and then you did back to back in like your third or fourth season like it was pretty crazy
1: yeah I, well i didn't realize how difficult it was until like i'd be doing the, the Velta and i'd have brought like on a super difficult stage where everyone is just smashed and and i'd have guys just come up to me like random guys like this is your third one this year. This is my first one, and I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> And we just click up and be like, "That's true, you know." Like, guys, this is the first grand tour of the season. Um, yeah, I think. um Yeah, it's did the maybe, ask
0: you? Were they just like, "Yo, oh, grand tour, yeah, send Adam." Like, he, we know. No, he's I, well,
1: okay, I did the Giro and I did the the tour, and I was like, "Can I do the belta And they're like, "Yeah, if you do the Giro and tour, you, Basically, if you do the Giro and tour, you can have the rest of the season off. You maybe have to show your face to two races, two small races to fill the numbers. but you, know, you have the season off? I'm like, no, no, I want to do the belter. And the sports director's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he laughed it off. And I saw the list of the riders, and I was there. So I emailed him and said, hey, you know, I really want to do the belter. He goes, yeah, good job. And I was like, no, I'm serious. really? Yeah. So I did it. And I did well, helped the team, did my job, did everything. And then, they, and then next year, I, I want to do the same thing. And they said, Yeah, but you should have a rest year. And he was like, No, no, I'll do the same thing. I did it. And I was super happy. And then after a while, I was like, I really like this program because there was so many things. like I love stage races. I just love this type of racing where, because when you hop on a plane, you travel somewhere, you do a one day race and it goes bad, you know, that's it, it's over. And you fly home and you spent like the whole uh, four or five days and it's just a disaster. In a, a ground tour, there's always tomorrow, there's always the next day, and there's always something, and you always go home with some type of reward. You help some guy get a win, or you got a team win, or you personally got a win, or you're in a breakaway, you showed your face, and there's always some positivity in this you can take away from Grand Tour. And I really liked that, but also, I liked how I was at home more. People thought I was away racing more, but what actually happened was, I only did nine races a year, which That's is super cool, yeah. where i do the Giro, I'd have month at home, do the tour, month at home into the belt. And when I have a month, I have like a week off and I have like a build-up phase and then I have like strength phase and then a uh, like a speed phase and I go into the race. And I could really train at like, like triathlons in a sense where, you know, you have one goal. Where normal race program, you know, you're racing every second week and it's hard to have like w- – what I never liked is yeah, I'd, I'd always like to have a structured program. You'd have an easy week. But then you got to do a race at the end of the week, and it's sort of like, and you go to the race, and there's no easy races. I know sports director coach, yeah, just take the race easy. It's like yeah, this, this, this doesn't happen well at to level. Not, not in today's time. Like there's no race that's easy anymore. So you can't use races for training. So with the Grand Tours, I had lots of time at home, lots of rest period. I could have a really structured program, and it actually was, it was easy. It was, well, easy in a sense. It looks
0: interesting because when you look back at like 2015 and maybe 18, it was like Tour Down Under, uh, Perry nice Tour of Turkey, three Grand Tours, and he's done. <laughs> it's just like your race list is just like it's like crazy. But what's your favorite stage race outside of the Grand Tours? So maybe like a seven um, to ten day. or Yeah, Tour of Turkey. I love Turkey.
1: Yeah. What was it about that race? It's just always good weather. And for me, I always had a chance to write for myself. Mm. So I had a few top tens in GC. Um, and I just had like, I, 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 I should have won one year. I, I had one year I just had just problem after problem after like first it was like, I was waiting for Andre and arguing with him up the climb, like, let's go and sprint. And he's like, you guys, so I wait with you. And the first group's going, uh. and you're like, come on. And we, we this happened a lot though where we were just like come on and, uh, and he feels bad when i wait for him so he's like he has to go because i'm like my mm. gc is gone you know come with me know, yeah. so like he applied for it and this one time he was like nah yeah clicks and then i have to go back to the first group and it was like 40 guys or something so it's pretty easy to stay with them and it was uphill and i just got on the back and then it split in the crosswind in the middle. Oh, and I was in the second group and so, so I lost two minutes there. And the next day, you know, that we had this the team was doing really great in the crosswinds. And then my own teammate flicked me, put me in the gut, and he and he split our group and I was in the second part. And our team got like, I think five in the top eight or something. And my own teammate flicked me there. So I lost another two minutes there. Oh, and then on the God. mountain, the on the uphill finish, the mechanic didn't do the sprocket on because we asked to change the sprockets and he didn't do the lock ring tight enough and my cassette came loose on the uphill and I lost two minutes there. And then still I was like seventh or ninth overall and it was my, my <laughs> it was my, like my first chance of winning something. And just every day something I was just like, yeah. But for me, this race, I just always – because was, this was a preparation race for the Giro. So I was – and I had a month off before. So I'd always have super good training at home and I can do really well. If I have a structured program, I'm not. I, I don't like this going to race every week. Um, And when I'd have a full month off, there Turkey, I'd always be in good form, and then Jiro and just take it off. It's so good you, weather. And
0: what are you doing between those races? What are you doing before the Grand Tour?
1: I I take like uh, almost a full week off the bike. So if it was Giro tour, I'd take the full week off the bike, and then I would do like uh, the the second week be like sort of maybe four or five days of just long rides, just take mm-hmm. it really easy. Um, but, but long and, and and towards the end of them, uh, the, like the fourth or fifth one, I would do like more constant, so really keep the power really constant. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go to more like a, a speed phase with the strength phase where I'd do one-day speed work intervals, so it might be 40-20s and then a few five-minute efforts on FTP or high FTP, and then um, I would just pick a climb that's like six minutes long, so I'd do 40-20s up and come down, I'd do like – um, like 120 ftp come down i'll do like a, a strength block and come down and then i'll do rest one and i'll do that again and then that'll be like that that could be like a two and a half hour ride that's it mm. and go home and the next day it would be more strength based so almost the same thing longer climb a bit more strength based and then third day when because i do it like this when the first day you're fresh so you know you can really do, so I do sprints also on the first day. So you do sprint work where you can do that at maximum. You do speed work intervals where, you know, you really have to be fresh to do them. Day two, you're a little bit fatigued, you can do strength work because you don't have the, you know, you can't fire it. them muscles too well. So it's just more strength work. And so day two is strength work. And then day three, when you're really fatigued, you can do a long ride. So you do a long ride. there. And when I do it like that for me, I can do every day at maximum fourth day complete rest do it again and then as the days got on um the speed work got harder strength work went a little bit less and then long rides went more shorter but higher fire wattage and then yeah have a week off easier before the grand tour and then be into it
0: higher wattage like tempo like riding like a three hour like tempo
1: like a solid clip or not that hard Maybe like more four, four hours at like um 270. I would get into now that. That'd be where I'd aim for. I'd start at like six, seven hours at, you know, 220, and then I'd sort of bring them together, if that makes sense. I make it shorter and go up. So it seems like you're getting a lot of
0: very varying of the stimulus in a lot of different ways. Is that pretty accurate?
1: Yeah, I really believe in. Um, like with the different energy systems, especially like with um, fat metabolism. So these long rides are more, you know, like Mm -hmm. I do it fasted um, and more um, really try and promote your fat metabolism. Um, I'm a huge, like full high carb guy, but um, when you race, you only have a certain amount of carbs you can digest per hour. You can only store a certain amount. The rest is from fat. The more fat, the better your fat metabolism And you can you can spare your glycogen, and you can use that at the end of the race. So yeah, I do a lot of you know fat burning rides, um, and that's always with so every long ride I do is always faster because it's always faster.
0: So you're not but, eating anything what, before? Nothing, no. And then you're going to um,
1: yeah.
0: you're going to go out for six hours, and what are you are you going to refuel at all per hour, or are you trying to nothing.
1: not you're not eating anything?
0: Nothing.
1: nothing. But when you do it, you cannot go, like, if you set it at 220, you don't go over 220. So 220 for you is like what?
0: 50? 220. 50% Mm -hmm. FTP? 55%? Yeah, depending
1: on the form, yeah. Okay. And I can build that up to, like, if I do a full fasted four-hour ride, probably the maximum wattage I could do is like 290 fasted.
0: Okay. So if anybody does this, don't tell you that I told you to do this, because this is going to wreck some people. Oh, okay.
1: If you start it, <laughs> if you start, no, no, I really, I, I really believe this is, this is really one of the big things because, you know, cyclists aren't strong. When it, like, if you, you know, you know, when you do the Tour de France, you do those post star uh, criteriums pros get smashed by the amateurs because they're mm-hmm. equally as strong. They're equally as strong. The only difference is a pro has been on so many races, their fat album is so much better, but mm-hmm. they're not, they're not, You know they're not actually not physically stronger. But the Mm. thing is, when you do Milans Milans Ramo is a great example. When you do Milans Ramo, when you when you look at the Poggio, it's so easy climb. It's really an easy climb. But after three hundred kilometers, it's super hard. And the guy that has the best fat metabolism that stores the glycogen will always do better than an amateur who's done you know seasonal racing just for one year and he just hasn't tapped into the fat metabolism. So if you're going to get into fat metabolism ride. I would recommend is don't have breakfast, start training, eat a quarter of a bar as soon as you start. And then every 20, 30 minutes, have a quarter of a bar. And then the next uh, uh, cycle of your training program you have a long ride, don't have breakfast, and then do 20 minutes first without eating and then have that quarter of a bar. And then just slowly push that further away. And then when you get to the extreme – yeah, you don't have to uh, eat the night before and then you don't have breakfast and it can almost be a 24 hour. Because the thing is- Good God, Adam. Woo! This is is actually important. So the thing is, when you have insulin, right, this blocks you from accessing fat as an energy source, right? So what you got to do is even, sometimes it's actually easier to eat nothing because when you have no insulin, spike then you can have full access to your body fat and you have endless supply of body fat so it's, it's all there but if you if you're constantly eating and you're going a little bit too hard in your training then you're, you're, you're telling your body oh don't take fat because we've got insulin mm-hmm. here you've got to use sugar mm-hmm. but you have no sugar then you're going to feel terrible and you feel lethargic, and you know you're not going to be able to train well where so on your high carbon days have sugar have it do your performance hit the numbers that you want, but on the fat metabolism days, then really, yeah, if you really, the less you eat, the better it is. Because the more insulin spikes you have, you're going to block the access of body fat. And that's, that's, that's actually what you need for these types of training.
0: So practically speaking for an athlete that might only get to like in the U S like category three, let's say, so he's doing a three hour road race. Would you put this on a less important scale since he can still have enough carbohydrate or glycogen for his type of race Or, and would this be more than for only people that are getting, you know, gravel's big in the US, these five, six, eight hour races? Um, Maybe
1: it's more important for athletes doing those. So, for the, it's definitely for the gravel races, 100%. Mm -hmm. I would definitely do that. If it's only a three hour road race, and um, depending, you know, some of the numbers people throw around is you can consume 80 grams of carbs per hour, 90 grams per hour. Um, some say it's 120 grams per hour carbs you can consume. Um, if it's if it's around, depending how good you're at this, and this is just to go back though, if you train your fat metabolism, that's one thing, but you've also got to train how you can absorb the carbs too. So mm-hmm. on your interval days, really hit the carbs because you've got to train your body to absorb it. So a lot of riders are or athletes are doing this now, where they're really pushing the limit of how many carbs they can consume per hour, and if you can consume 120. Grams of carbs per hour, and it's a three-hour bike race. Yeah, fat is not you know it's not the number one fuel source, that's for sure. And you can get you can get definitely get through the race. So what's your th- so I was uh
0: talking to some of the guys from inside. Sebastian Weber is obviously big on the Fat Max ride. We have a race here called Gravel Worlds. I got dropped at mile like one thirty, came in fifth. And so one of the guys there was like, "You need to do these Fat Max rides," and he had me go out and do. 260 watts for four and a half hours refeed 40 grams of carbs an hour got through it I felt pretty weird to be honest with you like I kind of was like getting sweaty towards the end like in a weird way and 40 I'm very carb heavy so I'm like 90 to 100 usually so it was 60 less an hour long story short I felt pretty like smashed the next day I don't think I would have been able to, I, I'm wondering how fast do you recover from that type of ride? Does it wreck you at all? Or it, it, probably I'm sure. Cause I was new to it. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm big into doing like high intensity intervals, like during the week on like a Tuesday. So I'm wondering like, maybe this would be something I'd have to do on a Saturday so that I could like get the glycogen in back of my muscles. So I can actually go hard on Tuesday. Or What's your thought on that? How, did you ever, did it like throw you off for high intensity stuff?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, if you're doing 260 what? So you said 260 watts per hour. Yeah, about it
0: was, hour. and so it was. I'm trying to think what the breakdown was. So that's like 900,
1: 950 calories per hour, maybe. Yeah, 40 calories per hour, and you're consuming 40 grams per hour, which is like 160 um calories. So mm-hmm. you know, it is a it's a huge deficit. Um, where well, the boy you got to use your fat metabolism. <clears throat> what I would, what I what I try and normally do is. When when you also do um let's say you go through a fasted state, um, what happens is your human growth hormones go through the roof. So you can mm-hmm. actually have like a fifteen hundred percent inclining in growth hormones. Um so if I was to do something like this, you said you did no you ate nothing for the first four hours and then you sort of No,
0: I was doing forty grams an hour still. I was 40 doing grams an hour still. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this it's a good way to start. Um but it's should I, felt, should I have felt,
0: should I have felt as depleted as I did? Like even oh, sure. my, leg, yeah. my legs look like all the glycogen was gone. And some people have told me that, oh, you can restore glycogen within 20 hours. Other people have told me 48 hours. Either way, I was like, it was Sunday. And by Tuesday I was like, I'm not ready to crush anything. And I just waited till Wednesday and I felt fine. But I was just like, I struggle with it and I hate saying this, but it's like, it's one of those things where there's not a metric to put on it. Like when you fast and you get all these, like I know you're big into autophagy or I read it somewhere that you were into it. Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth or that, um, you know, we're talking about the human growth hormone. It's not something that I can measure. So I'm like, I don't know if it's really
1: working. Nah. And I, how was you? tell me your recovery meal after this ride.
0: Uh, well, I'm pretty usually like rice, chicken, um, greens i don't know the exact one this was a while. this was last
1: summer that i did it what i would do is when you finish a ride like that so if you well if you finish a race or any type of ride where you are really um glycogen depleted um and you've you know you've torn a few muscle fibers because it was a hard session um obviously you have a protein after after the ride for muscle mm-hmm. recovery um my feeling is when you said you didn't feel good, wasn't glycogen uh, like depletion? Is more that your muscles haven't recovered from the effort. Might and, have been that, which is and, weird
0: because when it's not high intensity, I wouldn't have thought that.
1: Yeah, but still, you know, you, the, yeah, it's because you because you're limiting the the, the energy supply. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's still hard on the muscles. So the the, the best way to recover from every any session, um, the, the, the that I, that I think is yeah. when you finish the session, have a fast sugar. So I'm not going to recommend Sprite or something like this, but Sprite, something like this is actually really good. <laughs> and what that does is it creates a huge insulin spike. And when you have a huge insulin spike, you're very anabolic. And that's when um, all your cells are opened up and basically it's just, it's just screaming. It, it just gives you act, it gives your cells access to what's around and then have your protein. If you do not have the sugar before the protein then the protein just sits there and it's very hard it's much harder to get into the cells. You do have to have four grams of mincing, um, which is uh, uh, BCAA. That's one of the um, main ones to trigger um, protein synthesis for fast recovery. So you need the glycogen. That's why you see a lot of protein powders today. Uh, it's a mix of carbo protein together. Mm-hmm. So what they're doing, they're just putting it all together and selling it is easier. But what I prefer to do is like have some fast sugar. And this is, this is where you can treat yourself. So if you want a packet of candy or a Sprite or something like this, because that's what cyclists do at, at, at the end of the race. They have a Sprite directly or a fanch or something like this. So you create a huge insulin spike and then your cells are all open. Um, and then you have your protein, and then you can really absorb the protein much better. Because I, I really believe in this case, it's more that you're fatigued from you know, the protein, um, not recovering enough. And this is, yeah, this, this can um, make a big difference.
0: So, man, I almost don't even want to go down this road because I don't want to get it back into it because fasting for me is hard. But intermittent fasting, what's your top three reasons why you do it? Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break here. Thanks for checking out the first part of the podcast with Adam Hansen. Still can't believe he came on. And we will finish talking about intermittent fasting and get into a ton more about training and racing. Stay tuned to the YouTube channel and wherever you stream podcasts. And if you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend and please leave us a five-star review if you think we earned it on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Good luck with your training.